Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Joe, the Shane Gossespierre era is over. The Flyers made another trade on Thursday. They moved Shane Gossespierre to the Coyotes along with a 2022 second-round pick and 2022 seventh-round pick. The seventh round pick they acquired in the Eric Gustafson trade. So the Flyers had to move two picks along with Gossespierre for the Coyotes to take on Gossespierre and obviously his cap hit. So the Flyers in return don't get anything, but they do get the cap relief, which we know in a flat cap world is very valuable. It's a hot commodity right right now is cap relief. So the Flyers will have 4.5 million in cap space now for next season, this upcoming season, excuse me, and the following season. Joe, that was certainly um, a notable trade because, one, it's a trade in general. And then also Shane Gossespierre has been here for six full seasons. Uh, he's never played anywhere else. He's made some memories here. Uh, he's lived in Philadelphia his entire pro hockey life. Um, this was a big deal. What did you think of it when it came down? Well, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast. And the, and the, the, the acquisition of Ryan Ellis combined with the – in what they hope emergence of Cam York kind of made ghost the, the expendable one. Um, and the need for cap space also made him expendable. And we heard Chuck Fletcher earlier reference the raises due to Sanheim and some of the other players that need to get paid that are on the roster already. So that's even taking out anything else they want to do outside of the guys that are already on the roster. They need money to pay their own guys some of their own guys that are on the team. Um, so, you know, it didn't surprise me. Um, as I've talked about before, and we were talking about it on the last podcast, both of us were uh, fans of Shane Gostaspare. Um Over the last number of years, I don't know of any player on this team drove the offense as much as a healthy and confident Shane Gostaspare. So from that perspective, I am not thrilled to see him go. I really thought he was an exciting player and he brought a lot of energy to this team when he was going well. And I always remember the the season he came up his rookie season. And, you know, we've talked about it before that team doesn't make the playoffs if not for him coming up that year and, and, and just what he brought to the table coming up that season under Dave Hackstall. And it was just, it was something we hadn't seen in so long, how dynamic of a player he was and particularly his, his value on the power play and his creativity on the power play, his ability to play at 10 and two at the blue line. And just, you know, he brought so much to the table when he was healthy and confident. Um, that said, you know, we've seen some times in the, in the years since where his health has been in question and his confidence has been down. And when his confidence is down, uh, this is, again, something I've said, I, I don't know that I've ever seen an athlete, potentially in sports, whose confidence affects them as much as Shane Gostaspare. And it was down, when it was down, it was down. And when it was up, I mean, every single part of his game was elevated when his confidence was up. And that's what I'll always remember about Shane Gostaspare. I think he's a valuable addition to a, a young team there in Arizona. Um, and of course the Flyers get that cap space and we'll see now what they do with it. Uh, I still feel like there's more moves to be made. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of, of, uh, 
you know, acquiring cap space. If Chuck Fletcher has anything to say about it, I think they'll, uh, they will still be busy. Yeah. There certainly looks like there's more moves in store because the Flyers really wanted to shed Shane Goss's parents cap hit. And uh, there's a reason why they wanted to do that. And it's probably because they want to make more moves and it sure looks like the Flyers, as much as they respect Shane Gossespierre and the career he had in Philadelphia, it is a business, and it sure looks like they were probably crossing their fingers hoping Seattle would take him in the expansion draft because they made that trade about, I would say, less than an hour after that the roster freeze was lifted. There was a roster freeze, as we all know, for the expansion draft, and in during that freeze, teams could only negotiate deals with the Kraken that roster freeze, that trade freeze in the NHL was lifted on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. At that point, teams were free to go back to negotiating deals with any team across the league. So as we expected, some trades would come out. And I think that trade was announced, or at least it was reported um, before 2 p.m. Eastern time. So it sure looks like the Flyers were thinking to themselves, if Shane Gossespierre is not taken by the Seattle Kraken, uh, we are ready to move him and complete this deal with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, and that's what happened. Uh, the Flyers ended up losing two draft picks because of it. If the Kraken had taken Shane Gossespierre, uh, they wouldn't have lost those draft picks. So it, they were clearly ready to make that trade if he was not taken. He was not. Carson Terinsky was taken. Um, and Shane Gossespierre's fate in Philadelphia was pretty much sealed at that point. And, Joe, it just shows you they, they – I think another thing that sort of made this trade inevitable was – the fact that they got Ryan Ellis and the fact that he's going to play on a power play unit and so is Ivan Provorov and Chuck Fletcher admitted that the rise of Cam York also played a major factor in it uh, because Cam York has a similar skill set to Shane Gossespierre. Um, a lot of people think he has much higher upside than Shane Gossespierre. He's only 20 years old and the team wants him pushing for a roster spot in training camp. And he does things that Shane Gossespierre does. Um, so suddenly the depth, at what Shane Gossespierre does really well in terms of quarterbacking a power play, making plays, doing things offensively. They have guys there now in Shane Gossespierre's strengths. And I think that really made um, those, those elements along with him not being taken in the expansion draft and then the pressure to get cap relief all kind of confluenced into a, a Shane Gossespierre trade. Joe, were you bothered at all that they got nothing in return other than obviously the cap relief. So I think some people were like, wow, like this guy had a 17 goal rookie season. He was a runner up for the Calder trophy that year. He had a 65 point season at the NHL level and the Flyers ended up having to give up draft picks for a team to take him. Well, you know, it, it's, if you listen to Chuck Fletcher and you listen to any other GMs, quite frankly, around the league, this cap space is, is, as valuable as any player in this league right now because teams don't have it. And um, so was I bothered that they didn't get anything in return a little bit only because I felt like Shane Gossespierre was a, re a, a really a contributing player and it's only for four and a half million in cap space. It's a little different if it was a player like Jake Voracek and you're getting eight plus million dollars of cap space you're, you're, you're getting a real sizable amount of cap space, like an off season changing amount of cap space. I don't consider four and a half million an off season changing amount of cap space to get for a player of this caliber 
um, as, uh, for the caliber of Goss Despair. So yeah, from that perspective, I'm a little bit bothered by it. And, I, and I've always been a guy who likes Ghost. So, uh, you know, I think he brings a lot, brings a lot to the table. But and I'm not surprised that they didn't get anything. I felt like this was going to be a one-way deal. I feel like all the deals they make are going to be one-way deals here, unless you're dealing for a player like Jack Eichel or something like that. But in terms of any deal that involves anybody that has a big contract and term, I feel like they're going to be one-way deals across the league, not just the Flyers, but across the league, because that's just the, the climate that that this league is in right now with the salary cap and kind of coming off of these couple of seasons that were hindered or, you know, affected by COVID these teams are just, this is, this is what teams are going to do. Um, and you're going to have to give up valuable, potentially valuable assets to get rid of your own big contracts. And that's just the way it's going to be. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The one night when the whole world comes together the world's biggest show on the world's biggest stage. The opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics is Friday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time on NBC. Yeah, Joe, two things that I really started to realize as I was thinking about the trade and evaluating it and just wondering, you know, why why the Flyers had to make the deal and why they had to give up picks was, one, I think when Shane Gossespierre was placed on waivers last season, the Flyers expressed this, extreme confidence that he was going to clear. And a lot of people were puzzled. Like, why is Shane Goss's part on waivers? And I think the reason they expressed this extreme confidence was that they probably gathered that teams were not taking on money at all in trades uh, in this flat cap world. They, they were probably shopping Shane Goss's pair. They were probably poking around, expressing to teams that they, that they were looking to move Shane Goss's pair and teams probably weren't willing to take it on for the right deal. And that's why the Flyers probably at that point were saying, well, let's put him on waivers because when he gets put on waivers, he clears, we can put him on our taxi squad. And then throughout the rest of the season, they were able to bank cap space. Um, it gave them more roster flexibility. And they, they, they were able to make that risk because I think they truly gathered in the trade discussions with other teams that teams flat out were not taking on money in deals. Uh, they were not, t- it, it's a flat cap world. Everything is super tight. And teams simply don't want to take on four and a half million uh, this season and next season at that point, uh, actually for three years, because they would have been taking on uh, 4.5 million the rest of the way uh, last season, obviously this upcoming season and the following. Um, so that was one thing I really recognized. And the more Chuck Fletcher probably 
talked to GMs around the league and made Shane Gossespierre available. Um, I wonder if teams maybe knew he was obviously looking to move him uh, because they had depth on the back end because Shane Gossespierre really hasn't been the same player he was probably two, three years ago. And they knew, like, if you're looking to move him and you're trying to move him to me, we're really not going to give you much because we're taking all money um, and we're doing you a favor. And Chuck Fletcher admitted that one team, in order to take on Shane Gossespierre, asked them to include Cam York in the trade, which is mind-boggling. I'm sure Chuck Fletcher probably laughed at that and probably hung up. Um, and then the other, another team asked them for their first-round pick. And that just shows you, like, shows you teams were not willing to take on that money. Um, and if they were going to take Shane Gossespierre, they wanted something as well to really sweeten up, sweeten it up, and say, "Hey, we're taking on money." I, th- I, th- I thought that spoke volumes. Well, I, and that that gives me concern for their uh, any ability to move uh, either of the two big contracts they had unprotected with Seattle that being Voracek or JVR. I mean, if teams are asking for Cam York and first round picks to take ghosts money at four and a half, what are they going to be asking to take on Jake's money or take on JVR's money, which is, you know, seven plus million for JVR, eight plus million for Jake Voracek. I don't think you're going to have a lot of suitors lining up for that considering what Chuck Fletcher said teams were asking in order to take on ghost money, which was half of what those guys are making. So you know, the, it again, it just goes back to the climate we're in. And, you know, it, the cap space and it, it's as valuable as any player right now. And, um, you know, I, that's why le- heading into the trade deadline and into the offseason, how many times did we say Chuck Fletcher doesn't have an easy job ahead of him? Well, this is what we were talking about, navigating this landscape of, well, we're not going to take on this money, but if we take on this little bit of money, can you give us like one of your best prospects or how about a draft pick or how about this or how about that? And it, it really is a, it's like the wild west. I mean, there's no telling what a team could ask for at this point. Um, you know, with what Chuck Fletcher said today, would you be surprised if somebody said, we'll take on board check if you give us your first round pick and then, I don't know, Sean Couturier. Why is that even off the table? I mean, it sounds preposterous, but when you put it in the scope of what Chuck Fletcher was talking about earlier today, it isn't. I mean, it seems like anything and everything is on the table. It truly does. And my my jaw dropped as I was on this Zoom with Chuck Fletcher. I'm sure yours did too, Joe, when he mentioned that a team asked for Cam York to take on Shane Gossespair in his cap hit and a first-round pick to take on Shane Gossespair. Like, that is just like a, like a no, no across the board. Like I don't, you know, discussions are done here. Um, it, and that just shows you the world we're living in, in terms of a uh, flat cap in this NHL off season. Um, heck, you know, before uh, the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of people looked at Shane Gossespierre's uh, contract as a team friendly one, because there was team control uh, with the amount of years and term to it. And then, you're expecting the salary cap floor to go up every single season, just naturally, obviously, but with the pandemic, um, the salary cap cap floor is staying stagnant uh, because of the economic impact with the coronavirus pandemic. And suddenly 4.5 million was not looked at very uh, team friendly. It was actually looked at like a big cap hit. 
And that's what it is uh, in this world right now. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Joe, as we know, this offseason is far from done. We're expecting more moves from the Flyers. This Shane Gossespierre trade was certainly a sign of more moves to come as this critical offseason continues for the Flyers. We have the entry draft coming up on Friday and Saturday, the first round on Friday, the later rounds um, on Saturday, and then free agency starts next Wednesday. So there's going to be a lot to uh, to be done this offseason um, with more moves in store. But just another thing on this crazy offseason, the Flyers schedule was released. So now we know who the Flyers are playing in 2021-22. Joe, it sure was refreshing to see an 82-game schedule and what looks like normalcy. What games, though, popped out to you on this Flyers schedule? As we know, they opened the season with four straight home games. That is very cool. You don't see that a ton. Um, their home opener is against the Canucks on October 15th and their second game is against the Kraken and Dave Hackstall at home, of course, um, on October 18th. But what game stood out to you? So just that four game homestand, it's the first time since their second Stanley cup season. So the 74, 75 season that they've opened with four straight home games. Also, if you think back, I'm not, I'm not talking about the bubble season and I'm not talking about this past season. If you think back to the last few regular seasons that they've had, I don't mean regular, I mean regular schedules that they've had. They've almost always opened on the West Coast. They opened in San Jose one year, I believe. They opened in LA one year. It's refreshing to see them open at home. I, it was, I was interested to see um, that one, you open with Vancouver. So it's a team that you haven't seen in how long? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be almost what three calendar years by the time they play them, I think that, and since the last time they played them. Um, and then you get Seattle, which is interesting to me on a couple of, uh, for a couple of reasons. 
Seattle is coming to Philadelphia before they play it uh, before I think before they play a home game. Yeah. Because Seattle opens in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, so it's, you know, th- that is very interesting to me. So Dave Haxtell is the new coach of the Seattle Kraken. And he'll coach in his last head coaching spot before he'll coach in his current one, which is yeah. very interesting to me. Um, so you have that. Um, what I was looking at is the return of the Black Friday game. That's uh, Rod Brindamore and, um, and the Carolina Hurricanes. And then the annual West Coast trip over the holidays, um, which now includes Seattle, is back. Yeah. So as much as, you know, I don't as, – as much as it, it affects me getting out of the office at 2 o'clock in the morning those nights when they have those games for producing the pre and post. It's good to see that part of the schedule back um, and, and some of the traditional things that go on. And then, of course, you have Ryan Ellis going back to Nashville in March. You have um, uh, and obviously all their games with Pittsburgh. And now the Islanders have become this rival now from the, the bubble in this past season. Um, you know, those games always stand out to me. But I really found – I found the, the beginning of the season to be very interesting. You're opening with Vancouver and Seattle, um, two teams that you really know nothing about. You, you haven't – I'm not saying they won't scout them beforehand, but what I'm saying is you – the one team you haven't played in a few seasons. The other team you, is in brand-new franchise. That's a very interesting way to open a season. Truly. And you can only imagine the buzz that's going to be in the Wells Fargo Center uh, because that's the first time we're going to see full capacity for the Flyers uh, since March 2020 uh, when their season was cut short uh, because of the pandemic. So you think about it, home opener is their season opener. First time full capacity, there's going to be a real buzz. And then the second game is against the expansion Kraken. First look at the Kraken for everyone in Philadelphia. Um, there's just going to be a natural buzz there. On top of it, Dave Haxall is returning with that team. Um, it's just going to be such a fun start to the season and really refreshing to see 82 games on that schedule. Um, the, Joe, as you mentioned, some of the normal road trips we're accustomed to around the holidays, um, home stands. And, and I, I think the Black Fr- I mean, the Black Friday, mat- uh, I, I, we don't know that it's going to be a matinee because the time's not out, but the Black Friday home game is a tradition since I was a little kid. They yeah. always played Black Friday. And then, of course, the one other one that just came to my mind is New Year's Day night, not New Year's Eve, but New Year's Day night at the Staples Center against the L.A. Kings. Yeah. Oh, it's an interesting, always an interesting place to, to open up the new year. There, of course, this Kings team is a rebuilding team, but they have some young pieces, too. And that's another team. Like, to me, these games against the Western Conference teams have extra intrigue this year because you haven't played them in a couple seasons now. So yeah. generally where you go, oh, this is just a game against uh, uh, Chicago or this is just a game against, um, you know, Vancouver is one of those teams. Or this is a game against, I mean, I wouldn't say Edmonton because John, uh, because of uh, McDavid and same thing if Calgary, assuming Johnny Gaudreau is there. But just, you know, uh, it's just your run-of-the-mill game against the San Jose Sharks. It's not a run-of-the-mill game this current this coming season because you don't you haven't seen these teams play. A lot of these teams have changed coaches since the last time you've seen them. Calgary, um, 
even Vegas has changed coaches since the last time the Flyers have played them. I believe San Jose. There's a lot of teams that have changed coaches since the last time you've seen them. And, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. Columbus being another. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Columbus, yeah. no Tortorella there anymore. I yeah. mean, you have a lot. Arizona, Rick Tockett's not there anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, you really have you really have a, some intrigue with these uh, Western Conference opponents. And I think that's good because I felt like I know the NHL likes to pack those division games at the end of the season. And that was something that's kind of been like the last four years has been more of a thing. I, I felt like there were points of the season where you're playing four or five games against Western conference teams. And it's, it's a little bit of a lull. I mean, we know of course, a, a few years ago, the Flyers had that dreadful West coast trip to, over the holidays that almost completely derailed their season. Yeah. And um, I don't think that's going to be the case this year because having not seen these teams in so long, any of these teams could sneak up on you. And I even include Seattle because we saw how Vegas played in their first season as an expansion team. So in hockey, unlike some other sports, an expansion team doesn't mean a team that's just going to roll over and give you a win. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so th those Western Conference games for the first time in a while, I think, provide a lot more intrigue than usual. Absolutely. And if you need more on the schedule, you can check it out on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. We have all we have the full schedule with fun facts, matchups, all that fun stuff uh, on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. But yes, and just take it in. It's an 82 game schedule. It's been a while since we saw one of those, right? It has. Joey. I was thinking, I'm like, wow, this is the first time in three seasons that they're going to have an 82 game schedule because you almost just forget that like 2019, 20, that felt normal. But then when the season, the season obviously was brought to a stop, uh, the Flyers at, at that point were 69 games in and uh, everything changed. Uh, right. And, and we should also mention the Olympic break. There's only four games in the month of February yeah. um, with, a, with a, an Olympic break in there for it. This is assuming the NHL can come to an agreement with the players to go play in the Olympics. I believe every team has also been sent a version of the schedule without an Olympic break in it. And I don't know that those schedules have been publicized. I haven't seen any of them because they're planning on the Olympic break now. So that's an interesting dynamic when you have the holiday break, then you play a month and then you have a month where there's only four games with a big Olympic break. And depending on how many guys from the Flyers go to the Olympics, I mean, that's a sizable amount of time off. Yeah, the, the Flyers are not scheduled to play from February 2nd to the 22nd. But as Joe mentioned, that Olympic break is in pencil right now. Um, nothing is firm and done yet on that. Um, so schedules could be revised if the NHL decides not to hold that break and allow players to play in the Olympics. Um, but that is like kind of a new, honestly, it's very new. Um, so that would be a huge thing uh, down the stretch drive of a season. So, and, because, uh, and because of that Olympic break, too, the regular season goes through the month of April, which yeah. happened this year because the season started in January. But generally, the playoffs start in the second week of April. This year, the regular season, assuming the Olympic break happens, the season will run through April and the playoffs will start in May, much like they did this year. So uh, a lot of interesting wrinkles in this schedule, not only the opponents and the way the schedule's laid out and sort of the return to normalcy, but at the same time, the more the more normal the more normal returns, there's more abnormalities 
like the Olympic break yeah. and the month, the, the season going through April that get put back in the schedule. So the NHL is always uh, keeping us on our toes these last few years. Oh, a hundred percent. And the Flyers, let's be real right now are keeping us all on our toes with this crazy off season, this crazy month of July. Um, we've now seen two big trades, one acquiring Ryan Ellis, one sending Shane Gossespierre out of town uh, for the first time in his career. Um, and there's still a lot to be done, a lot to be done. And we'll have all of it here on Flyers Talk. Joe Flores, thanks so much. This was fun chatting um, and cannot wait to talk to you next time. Who knows what we'll have to chat about. Uh, ben Berry, our podcast producer, a special thank you to him as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.